The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, get an update from the National Library Service for the Blind and Handicapped and meet the Director of External Relations and Policy of the American Council of the Blind. You'll recognize the name and the voice. Welcome to the holiday edition of ACB Reports for December 2013. Despite the famous literary quote, sometimes one can indeed go home again. Thus, after a brief respite, Eric Bridges has returned to the American Council of the Blind as the Director of External Relations and Policy. In that role, there's a lot to talk about this month, beginning with something called the CRPD. Eric, what is that? The CRPD stands for the Convention on the Rights for Persons with Disabilities. It's a UN treaty that came into being about seven years ago since its ratification, over 100 countries have signed on to the treaty and are in various stages of implementing the CRPD in their own countries. Really, the CRPD is the Americans with Disabilities Act. As civil rights leaders, disability policy folks from around the world got together to look to deal with the discrimination that persists in various corners of the world regarding people with disabilities, they wanted to find established law that they could draw from in the creation of a treaty. It is based upon the ADA, and uh, in order to adhere to the CRPD in this country, there's the ratification process that needs to take place through the U.S. Senate. So... About four years ago, the Obama administration, so the U.S. government, signed the treaty, but to go a step further to actually implement it, it requires ratification by the United States Senate, which means two-thirds of the Senate needs to vote for the treaty to be adopted. So last year, the treaty was brought to the Senate floor, and it failed by, I want to say, four or five votes. It received a majority of votes, but it didn't receive the two-thirds. So this year, there's a renewed campaign to get it through the legislative process and have it ratified. As we record this on November 8th, earlier this week there was a session about the treaty, I believe. When's the next one? On November 5th, there was a hearing held to reintroduce the CRPD to the U.S. Senate, uh, in particular the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations, which has jurisdiction over it and is chaired by Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey, and the ranking member is Senator Bob Corker, uh, Republican from Tennessee. And really what Senator Menendez wanted to do is to reintroduce this, to talk through some of the issues, to have a, a full discussion. So he had a big panel of witnesses some of whom were in support of the CRPD and its ratification. And then there was at least one law professor that was there to provide technical assistance and wasn't there to support or oppose the treaty. 
and then they had a witness, uh, an attorney there that opposed the treaty and its ratification. This was to be the first of two hearings to really give this issue a full public vetting, which some felt like maybe didn't happen last time around. There had been a hearing scheduled for the week of the 11th, but that has now been postponed. But I would imagine that it will take place at some point before Thanksgiving. Does this hearing have any bearing on whether or not the ratification attempt goes to the floor? From a legislative process standpoint, this was not a markup where you would make modifications to a piece of legislation. This was really more about reintroducing the issue, talking through some of the sore points that had been discussed last year to try and find common ground around some issues relating to you know, the right to life and other such issues that were still sort of outstanding areas of disagreement with at least some on the committee. At some point, if it is to make it to the Senate floor, it will need to be marked up, which means modified in some way. All treaties have what are known as RUDs, reservations, understandings, and declarations. And essentially, they're amendments that will say what the U.S. intends to comply with or what it doesn't intend to comply with. Modifications. So that negotiation will heat up as we get signals that the committee is ready to take it up under full committee as a piece of legislation. We expect the treaty will move forward in this Congress. We're a little bit unsure as to how quickly it will move, given that the last time it came to the floor of the Senate, we didn't know if we had enough votes or not. And uh, this time around, in order for it to come to the Senate floor, the disability community will need to be very sure and reassure Majority Leader Reid that the votes are, in fact, going to be there for ratification. Moving to another subject, it's been a busy time over at the FCC with some matters that are of great interest to us. The 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, which we'll just call the CVAA, has quite a lifespan from a piece of legislation that became law and then all of the regulatory implementation that's come from it. The last large rulemaking has come out, the final rule, which means that it will be implemented, and it's dealing with user interfaces and on-screen menus. In essence, the stuff in your home theater environment that you interface with or that you will be able to interface with to access television shows, what times they're on, accessing uh, your DVR, and actually being able to independently set it up so that it will record your favorite show that's on at 8.30 on a Thursday night while you're at your children's volleyball game or what have you. Stuff that you've never had independent access to before. It's requiring a lot of really cool things. Stuff like the electronic program guide. So, Mike, when you and I sit down, we're wondering what's on TV. Uh, Either we have to go to the Internet and figure it out on a network website, or we go to the network and we listen for the characters, right, to try and figure out what TV show is on. You know, if it's a half hour or an hour long, sometimes we're flipping back and forth to see if the show is over yet. 
gaining independent access to the electronic program guide through text-to-speech is going to be a really cool thing for us. This is like the electronic scroll that's usually on the, on a certain channel of each of the cable systems? Is that what that... It's actually the program guide that folks in the CIDA community have had access to for a long time, which shows the full listing of all the channels and what shows are on. Uh, we'll be able to navigate that here in the future, which is really cool. We won't have to sit and wait or get on the Internet or try and distinguish individual actors' voices to figure out what's on TV. So when does all of this happen and how do we get it? Over the next uh, three years. Part of the challenge is that none of this has ever been required before. Right. And really no one has ever, by no one I mean manufacturers, have not gone out on their own and have independently done this without a requirement. So... It's something that is going to take a little while to implement for set-top boxes, for televisions, for DVRs. So it's going to be interesting to see how these companies elect to comply with the regulatory requirements. It could usher in a, a really cool new world for us if the manufacturers elect to do it in a way that is effective and practical for us giving us either a designated button on the remote or an icon or an accessible app to do that from our phones or both, frankly. There's a lot of cool technology out there, and we know that companies like Comcast, and Comcast is an industry leader just by virtue of the fact that they're in millions of homes, they're actively working on this technology, and within the next year or so, we'll be rolling out some of that technology to the public, which beats the three years. Now, is the burden of this on the providers, the cable companies, the networks, or is the burden on the manufacturers of the equipment? Obviously, there has to be some equipment built or modifications made in order for it to happen. Who has the burden here? So the answer is both. It depends upon how you're viewing the program, whether you're using a television or if there's a set-top box that is allowing you to access that program, or if you're attempting to access it through an app, which more and more of our folks want to have the ability to do, to watch it from their iPad or from their phone. Or to control the box from their phone. Or to control it. So there's a lot of different instances, and I realize I'm being a little vague with you, but suffice it to say, there's accountability to go around. The good news is that it is now beginning to take shape, and we have pleaded for this and made cases for it for a very long time. Yeah, and, you know, just to kind of put it in perspective, we've had the requirements for video-described content for a little over a year now on TV. And unfortunately, many of us aren't able to independently access the DVS button. Essentially, what this is going to provide us with is the ability to navigate through the menu to get to the description button so that we can take full advantage of a video-described content on television, which is cool, or to go and uh, pay three ninety-five or whatever for a movie in the on-demand library for Comcast or Time Warner or Satellite, whatever provider you have. So the world will open up to us in ways that it hasn't been, 
and will, frankly, allow us to spend more of our hard-earned money if we so choose. <laughs> or time in front of the television. With well, the that's true, the, too, yes. Become an even larger world. couch potato. With the rest of the world. Because, you know, let's face it, our society now is video-driven. It absolutely is, and entertainment is a critical component of our culture. And we are glad you're back. Well, thank you. Very glad you're back. I really appreciate that. The second hearing on the CRPD was held on November 21st. More information about this treaty and a petition supporting it may be found at www.disabilitytreaty.org. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. Karen Kinniger has been the director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Handicapped for almost two years. During the annual conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind, held in July of this year, she spoke about recent accomplishments and ongoing projects at NLS. As I announced a year ago, I have set five major priorities for NLS, and I'm going to go through those priorities and just talk about the things that we've done to address them so far. We have a lot more to do. The first priority that I set is to retain the quality of the NLS product. People have been a bit concerned about are you going to go to -to text-to-speech for your books like some of your colleagues out there, and the answer is no. We are, however, going to include more things in our offerings on BARD and in our program, so there will be some differences in what you see. All of our material will be human audio narrated and will continue to be for the foreseeable future. We may introduce some other things for the kinds of things that you may not want to read straight through, like a bibliography. We might use some text-to-speech. We're looking at that as a possibility. The Braille that we produce, we are also continuing to um, produce the same high-quality materials that we have done. We know that quality is extremely important to the NLS readership, and we have forever had a high-quality standard, and we plan to keep that. Second priority is to expand our collection. Before the WIPO Treaty occurred, there was a lot of concern about whether it would ever happen. So in the meantime, a project was started called TIGAR, which is Trusted Intermediary Global Accessibility Resources. And this was a cross-border exchange based on individual publisher approval or permission for each item. We joined that in order largely to acquire some foreign language materials And we have thus acquired quite a bit of foreign language materials to add to our collection through the TIGER project. We will continue to work through the TIGER project for the foreseeable future because it's going to take a while to get a treaty in place that will replace that. Another thing that we have pledged to do at your request is to convert a lot of our cassette material to the digital format. We are working along on that, and we had about 5,000 of those done this year, and we'll continue at about that rate until we get them all done. We had about 35,000 or so, so there's a lot of work to do there, but you will see them going up on BARD. We won't be putting them on cartridges, but they are going up on BARD. And you can get them through interlibrary loan through your library if you are not a BARD user but you want one of them. We are focusing on series because we know that series are something that people are particularly interested in, so that's kind of the high focus level. But if there's something that you are desperate to read in digital format that you used to be able to read on cassette, let us know. We are also digitizing our audio music collection, and if you're a Bard user, you saw a whole spate of things go up not too long ago. It's not music, it's the 
instructional material that we have in audio formats. We also have a shared master's agreement with Hachette. Now, we've used shared master's in the past, but this is a little bit different. We are doing this directly with the publisher instead of working through an intermediary. I want to give you a little sense of what the benefit is going to be. I want you to listen to this because I want you to note the dates. DB76599. Hachette Audio originally produced this unabridged recording for the commercial market. It has been adapted for the NLS Talking Book Program. Elements from the original recording, including music, sound effects, announcements, or other additional material may be present. Copyright 2013 by David Sedaris. Did you get that? Production copyright 2013 by Hachette Audio. This recording was used courtesy of Hachette Audio. So there we go. 2013 publication, 2013 in NLS. One of the problems that we will have with these commercial audios, the way we're doing them, is that we may not necessarily have a print book to go with them, and therefore we won't have NLS staff looking through the pages for dirty words. What we will do is add a rating that is unrated for these books so that if people are uncomfortable coming across things like that, they will at least know that we can't tell them for sure whether they're in there or not. That is a change because, as you know, everything that we do, we look carefully at because we know it's important to some people. Another thing that we are going to be doing is putting locally produced audiobooks up on BARD. We have a tremendous resource out in the network of studios that are doing digital talking books for their states. And there's a lot of local material, a lot of regional material, and there's a lot of just really good stuff. My goal is to get that up on BARD so that you can, if you're a BARD user, find it and get it. It's already available, but finding it is tricky. So if we can get it up on BARD, you're going to have, I think, a, a real treasure trove of additional materials available to be listening to. We also already have locally produced Braille books on BARD. Talking book topics. been a hot topic. Because what happened was that we had more books than we could announce in the traditional way in talking book topics. Now, that's a good thing, guys, because it means you've got more resources, more titles. But the bad thing, of course, was those one-line annotations. So what we're going to do is continue to expand the number of books that are in Talking Book Topics, because if we're expanding the number of books that we're doing, we've got to publish them or you won't know that they're there. But in order to do that, we're going to revise Talking Book Topics in 2014, and you're going to see a different format that will include a longer annotation, but will also be sorted out by subject, so that you won't have to read through all of the science fiction, if you're not a science fiction reader, to find the things that you like. Now, what's going to happen there, because these are sort of randomly selected, is that some months you're going to see a whole bunch of romances, and not all the westerns you want, and other months, you're going to see the opposite. And we're not going to try to balance it. We're just going to sort it out so that it's easier to use. So those are some of the efforts that we're making to expand the number of books that we have available. Another priority is to leverage technology in order to enhance the delivery and reading experience for our patrons. One of the big events of this past year in that regard was BARD. We did a facelift on BARD. 
so that those of you who are BARD users could have more information about your books. We have a wish list so that you can put books on your wish list and download them later. Somebody pointed out that that has really saved our hard drive. We have a has-had list so that if you're saying, gosh, you know, I want to recommend this book that I read about a year ago and I can't remember what it is, rather than having to call your library, if you're a BARD user, you can look on BARD and find it. Or if you wanted to read it again. Another thing that we did, of course, is incorporate web braille right into the BARD system. It's separated out so that you can choose braille or audio. But we do have all the web braille materials on BARD, and they come down in a zip file instead of in separate volumes. Although you can get them in separate volumes by going a different route. We have a new foreign language section and a new music section so that we have those sorted out, but they're up there now and easy to find. We have a details page so that you can look at a book in more detail. On the front page, you can see the annotation. But if you want to know what series is this part of and how do I get the rest of the series, that's on the details page. And you can click on the series name and get the list of all the books in the series. Or you can say, I really like this author. What else has he got? You can just click on the author's name in the details page or the subject in the details page and get lists that way. And this is the details page where you put your book on the wish list as well. Someone asked me whether we are going to change the search functions in BARD. We are, but we're not going to do it right away. It's a big, big overhaul of the back end of BARD, and we have so many irons in the fire right now that I had to tell them this is one that's just going to have to wait. However, those of you who are anxious for a better search capability must remember that we have in the um, NLS catalogs, we have the Voyager catalog and the the text-based catalog, and there are much better search functions in there. If you are looking for something that's a little bit hard to find, go to the catalog and you can find it there. Or call your regional library and say, hey, regional library people, I want this book. Help me find it. The other thing that we have done in the past year is almost released an app for the iDevices, the iPad, the iPhone, the iPod. I'm going to give you a very brief demonstration. Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine, June 2013, heading. Here's a magazine that we have. The page looks a lot like the digital talking book machine. You have... Current position, 37%. Adjustable. Jump by article. Button. Next. Button. Rewind. Button. Play. Button. Fast forward. Speed. But speed. Normal. Adjustable. Okay, so the speed and tone is a toggle, button. but so Door we can article. navigate this book. Let's see. Jump by, pre, jump by article. We're going to jump by article. Next button. The Intruder by Kate Ellis. The Jury Box by Steve Steinbach. The Ace Eye by Jack Fredrickson. We want to read the Ace Eye. Let's just put the play button. Next. Whoops, where'd the play button go? Play. Blog Bites. By Bill Kreider. Well, we didn't Reading want to read Tom blog bites minutes. very badly, so let's just go back. Bill Kreider's latest Sheriff Dan. Previous. The Ace There we go. We got back to the Ace Eye. By Jack Fredrickson. Reading time, 59 minutes. Jack Fredrickson. Now we can speed him up because I think he's too slow. <laughs> began in EQMM's speed. Get speed. 125%. Adjustable. His last story for EQMM. Swipe up or down with one finger to adjust the value. For the jingle, featured Elstrom. That's a little better. His latest book-length case is Hunting Sweetie Rose, February 2012, Minotaur. 
So you can see it sounds like a talking machine. Excellent. It looks like a talking machine. Story, it's on my iPhone. It's got some other things up at the top. 11.25 a.m. Like the time. The current time, three hours, 42 minutes. You can stop him with a double tap like you would stop music. I can see up there what the name of the thing is if I want to look at it, if I've forgotten. So that's just a very quick run-through. There's a bookshelf. There's um, a Get Books. You can go with this app to Bard, and you can do one of three things. You'll be able to download anything on your wish list right into the app, and it'll be ready to play right away. No unzipping, no wondering where it went. Um, you'll be able to download anything from the recently added list. You'll also be able to go into the BARD interface itself and search and look around the, with this, all the features that you can do now. Um, the one thing you can't do in that part is download directly, but you can put it on your wish list, and then you'll be able to download it at leisure. So those are the three ways that you can get books. All you have to do is download the app, and it'll, of course, install, and then you will one time you will log in with your BARD credentials, and then you'll be good to go. And then every time after that, it'll just open up. The Android app is under development as well. It is more complicated because of the accessibility issues and because of the multiple devices issues that Android has. So our contractors are working very hard on it. They're making great progress, and we expect that to be done this winter. And it will be, I think, very similar to what we've got on the iDevices. There will be a few differences, but primarily it will be the same kind of thing. So that's the big thing that we've done with um, technology this year. My fourth priority has been to focus on Braille. My priority to focus on Braille is driven by the fact that I believe Braille is our literacy medium. NLS has been very focused on our audio program, and the Braille program has, if not languished, at least not moved forward. The two things we have done this year that I think will move that program forward, the first thing is that we have joined the Transforming Braille Project, which is a DAISY group looking for an inexpensive and durable, refreshable Braille technology. My dream, my dream is that when this is found, we will be able, as NLS, to provide a digital Braille e-reader to everybody who wants one. And I expect that will happen before I retire. And I'm getting old, so. <laughs> the other thing that we did in June was to have a Braille Summit in conjunction with Perkins. And the, the goal there was to find out from the Braille world, what do you want, what do you need? Just very quickly, the top things that came out of that were a Braille e-reader, a major concerted promotion and literacy programs. That wouldn't be just NLS, that would be everybody better and more available Braille instruction, and specifically for NLS, more tactiles in our Braille stuff, which there aren't any. World Braille Usage is the document that was also announced at the summit, and that document has all the Braille codes for the entire world, 150 languages and 27 language groups in it so that we can continue to promote Braille throughout the world, and we actually have the tools. The last thing I have to say, and it's quick, is that we did a survey of uh, patrons and non-patrons and former patrons, and we haven't yet looked at that, but the goal is to look at ways to increase readership. One of the things that we always hear is that people don't know that the NLS service is there. Please promote the service. You guys know people who could use the service, and I would really encourage you to promote that service. 
And there's one other quick thing that we're going to be doing within a year, and that is we're going to be working with the Bureau of Engraving and Printing to distribute currency readers to all blind and visually impaired people in the United States who can use them. And that initiative, as you know, came out of the ACB lawsuit regarding accessible currency. Thank you very much for your support, and I look forward to working with you all again throughout the next year. As Ms. Kinninger mentioned, the BARD app for iDevices was released shortly after this recording was made. As another year of ACB reports draws to a close, may the holidays you celebrate be celebrated with friends, family, and good health. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.